0: let's fucking go Cal. hey everyone this is Joe Nardella from the Snakes Lacrosse Club and Team STX I want to thank you guys for listening to the Outside the Box podcast I tell you to be different and creative and think this way a much used business cliche Kayla what is Outside the Box? you got
1: it we're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse you're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia What is going on everybody? Welcome in to episode number 140 of the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB coming at you live from Underground Studios and on the video voice line, which if any company wants to sponsor my video voice line, that is my phone, our, our ears and wallets are open. So uh, let us know. But as always... Intern Harry the K is with me. Dom is out of town. So, Harry the K, we are going to do this damn thing. Recap an epic night in the lacrosse world as our championship game in the PLL is set. It will be chaos taking on Whipsnakes. Both of our hearts were crushed yet again. But before we get into our emotional bags... Got to give a shout out to our awesome sponsors, Design Tree, DSGNTree.com. Search outside the box. You've got options. You've got player options in our storefront. Newman Nukes, Jared Newman Hot Sauce t shirt, the OG original, very first Chef Rambo t shirt that Matt Rambo owns. Jared Newman also owns a Newman Nukes shirt, so you can match either of those players. You got the OTB logo shirt. We got a little chippy last night. We got the Ding Ding Boxing Lacrosse Gloves shirt in there. Number of items in our Design Tree storefront, dsgntree.com. Also, the Monday Night Lacrosse, which I'm very sad we won't have for quite some time now. Uh, Also in there, use the promo code DSGN10 to save yourself $10 off your order at checkout. And then, of course, our homies over at Tomahawk Shades. I've been wearing... The Blue Light Plus glasses that are my sister's, but I like the way they look on my face. Uh, I've been trying out different styles. I have a bunch of different pairs of Tomahawk Shades sunglasses, Blue Light glasses, you name it. Uh, Harrison has like 12 pairs in his cart right now. Um, because 15 actually. He's styling and profiling and he's ready to rock them. Uh, and you should be rocking them too. It's a quality product for an affordable price. The homies over at Tomahawk Shades are doing it big time. All orders right now, $75 and over. Qualify for free shipping. And right off the bat, we're helping you save a little bit of money with our promo code USP, like Underground Sports Philadelphia. USP saves you 25% off your entire order at checkout. It's the best promo code they've got running. They hooked us up big time, so make sure you check out our friends at Tomahawk Shades to grab yourself a quality product for an affordable price and look styling and profiling. All summer long. Let's get into this first game, Harrison. We kind of touched on it on our very first uh, Periscope broadcast last night, post-game. But let's get into it. Uh, Archers and Chaos. No Connor Fields. Second straight game. And Chaos somehow finds a way to roll. They end up beating Archers 13-9. to uh, For them to hold that Archers offense to 9 points. Stupid. Uh, so shout out to the defense from Chaos Blaze doing the damn thing again. Had 18 saves, a 67 uh, percent save percentage. This Chaos team got hot at the right time. Sure, they went 0 4 in group play, uh, but when it matters most is in playoff time, and it's a winner go home situation. And Andy Towers, his coaching staff, got these guys ready to rock and roll. And uh, speaking of Andy Towers, he'll be joining us in just a little bit to uh, recap these playoffs, kind of get you in the zone for the championship game from his perspective and how he's feeling. So shout out to AT for hopping back on the pod. Um, overall, your thoughts on chaos heading to the championship?
2: If I'm whip snakes right now, I am studying film very carefully. I am watching over everything this chaos team has done in the playoffs because this is a team ready for the finals. Uh, they were bad; they were just bad in uh, the regular, the seeding round, I would say. Yeah, but the group play. Man, have they turned it up right now? I am sh- like, I'm shocked. They have gotten offensive production from everywhere. I mean, Patrick Resch and Mark Lasini both scored yesterday. Eric Scott had two goals. These guys are ready for the finals. I I'd be scared if I'm whip snakes. This is a terrifying chaos team to come in and play against. Especially considering their defense is helping out Blaze Reardon uh more than they have during group play.
1: Yeah, I uh, mean the the change of Miles Thompson starting for whatever reason um, has given this offense a shot in the arm that they did not have the entirety of group play. They're clicking on all cylinders. They're playing like a box style almost with the way that they're switching things around and just moving the ball. Josh Byrne is on another level right now and had a top five goal of all time that ended up being number the one. number one uh, play on SportsCenter. And, you know, the as we've – coin them the chaotic bandits fitting it's the teams they play for dane smith has been on a roll um austin stotts is doing the damn thing and you know tahoka and myself have both said it on twitter don't let 83 get hot and he's continuing to roll he curtis can't. dixon is showing why he's superman just unbelievable the way he's played the entirety of the championship series um this chaos team I think the only question mark going into the championship game against a team like Whipsnakes that anybody should have for them is can Tommy Kelly step up and can this wing play step up to go head-to-head with arguably the MVP in Joe Nardella and the wing play that the Whipsnakes have you know, displayed all of group play?
2: I mean, yeah, Tommy Kelly definitely stepped up in the chaos. I, he won 54% of his face-offs which has been much better than what he had done during group play. But if I'm Chaos, I'm just continuing that two-man game on the wings that they've been playing. They've been playing a really strong two-man game, which they really didn't do during group play. And going to that box style, when you have players like Josh Byrne, like Curtis Dixon, Austin Stotts, and Miles Thompson, I don't know why they didn't do it earlier. Include Dane Smith into that. You throw these box gods onto one team.
1: Tyson Bell and the the defense.
2: true, the fact that they were trying to play the outdoor game rather than the indoor game for most of the group stage until their game against uh, Chrome in the playoffs, it doesn't make sense considering what we're seeing right
1: now. And it's not even that they need to play the indoor game. It's just play to your strengths. You know, do what you do best. Um, And that's what they've exhibited these last two games. They have played to their strengths. They've done the little things right. And it's been without arguably the second best overall player on the planet playing a single second for them.
2: Yeah, Connor Fields didn't see the field at all last night, did he?
1: Didn't see it against Chrome and didn't see it last night against Archers.
2: Insanity. Absolute insanity considering the talent. Of Connor Fields, but you look at that attack and that offense in total. Taking out Connor Fields doesn't leave you with many holes either way. This is a ridiculous team, and we're finally seeing chaos's potential fulfilled in the, these playoffs. And I'm so happy to see it. And putting Miles yeah.
1: Thompson in there has given them that inside presence that they didn't really have. Uh, yep. You know, all of group play and Miles Thompson. You look at the goals he scored; it's all been interior it's been those behind the back you know dazzle kind of shots that we know the thompson brothers are capable of um but he's been that interior presence on and off ball that chaos lacked exponentially when they were playing with three exterior shooters you know from left to right with curtis Dix and josh burnham and connor fields
2: yep and another part of last night's game that cannot be overstated is how well that defense shut down Archer's big guns? I mean, Grant Ayman, who is who is going to be the rookie of the year? He will be the rookie of the year,
0: easy.
2: He had nothing. He had two assists. Nothing. Two assists. Still, that's considering his talent and what he's done. That is nothing to him, especially in a loss.
1: He had more turnovers. I mean, they held, had assists.
2: Yeah, he. They held Tom Schreiber. They held Captain America, arguably the best player in the world, to two goals and an assist. Three points total for Tom Schreiber. Those are bad numbers for that guy. They, it's really terrible numbers for Tom Schreiber.
1: You're
2: looking for him to put up five, six points a game. Uh, Chaos's defense played their best game of the year last night, and hopefully, and I say this as a Redwoods fan, Hopefully they can replicate that again on Sunday because I wanna see them beat the Whip Snakes. I really do.
1: Yeah, I mean defensively too, it was kind of an up and down game for the Archers. Um wasn't really that shutdown, lockdown type of defense we've seen from them all of group play and then uh in their game against Atlas. There was some holes there and, you know, face off wise it was it was iffy. Tommy Kelly did step up to the plate in a big way against uh Bones Kelly and Brendan Fowler, but you know, and I think one thing too that might go overlooked and it's nothing against Adam Gittleman as a goalie. He just didn't play in that first game against Atlas and he might have been a little rusty. He was injured. We don't know the extent of the injury. Still played, had a 50% save percentage. Um but I mean, Drew Adams, how tired was he from playing a full game for the first time in who knows how long? Uh, only saved 38% of the shots he faced, and that could have played a factor. Nothing against either of those guys, but Drew Adams and Adam Gittleman are the two goalies we know in this league that are not accustomed to playing a full 48.
2: I mean, yeah, it's these two are extremely talented goaltenders, and I like watching them play a lot. They're both extremely fun to watch inside the crease. But Drew Adams had to be extremely tired. That has, that has to play a factor in all of this. because He should have made a couple of saves that he didn't in the game against Chaos, and I'm putting that down to the fact that he had just gone through a full 48-minute game against Atlas in which he was bombarded with shots and he stood on his head for archers. He, replicating that kind of game back-to-back, especially when you are the starting goaltender after coming off a full game in a system where you play a half a game, he was gassed. There's no other way to put it.
1: It's almost like he didn't have have Wednesday off. Exactly. Exactly.
2: And then Gittleman coming off an injury, still making uh, five saves on 10 shots with a 50% save average. It's not bad, but considering that he was playing through an injury he probably played better than he would have uh, he should have i should say he, if he wasn't injured he might have saved the game for archers who knows but i this is not a game you blame on your goaltenders it's definitely not
1: no and i mean it, it, it all really boiled down to that second quarter for chaos when everything kind of just bounced their way they scored 5 goals to archers only putting up 2 and they went into halftime up 5 goals and I mean, credit to Archers and, coming out in that third quarter, you know, battling back, but they just didn't have enough gas in the tank to overcome, you know, the the offensive juggernaut quarters that Chaos had in the second and third quarters.
2: Yeah, I mean, all things considered, that third quarter for Archers fighting back the way they did, that should have been a massive turning point in their season. That should have been the quarter to send them to the finals. But Curtis Dixon played like Superman, as you said earlier. I mean, he had a hat trick in the third, along with Marcus Holman. But still, Curtis Dixon had himself a game last night. He put up numbers, as he's been doing all season. And without that third-quarter performance from him, who knows what we, we would be saying right now. Who knows who would be in the final against the Whipsnakes.
1: So the Archers go home. They get uh, voted off the island to all of our survivor fans out there, like myself. Um, I think this was a sensational season for the Archers, even though it ended quicker than they wanted it to. Uh, you know, being a team that was in the first round, first overall draft pick game last season in Philadelphia, and they absolutely blow the doors off of Atlas to get that number one pick. You add Grant Ament to the mix. Um, And mostly your team doesn't change outside of adding, you know, Grant, adding guys like Eli Gobrecht, uh, to the mix, which I think was a massive addition for them. Eli and Matt McMahon back there work so well defensively. Um, I think Chris Bates really blew a lot of people away when there was a lot of up and downs for Archers last year, um... You know, you lose Christian Cuccinello, replace him with Grant. Uh, A lot of guys stepped up. Christian Mazzone was fantastic for the Archers all season. Uh, Pretty sure he had the highest, like, shooting percentage uh, conversion rate of any player in the league. Like, it was absolutely stupid. Um, I was third. Like, watching this Archers team was an absolute joy. No matter who they were playing, it was always fun. Their offense was fluid. Uh, They played great defense. Their goalie tandem was fantastic again. Their face-off guys stepped up to the plate and really elevated their games. This Archer's team isn't going anywhere anytime soon. They're only going to get better. Grant's going to have another year of professional lacrosse under his belt going into next season. Whoever they end up adding in the college draft through guys who enter through the entry draft. This team has so much potential to do a lot of big things as a unit, and I'm excited to see what the Archers end up doing in 2021 because I think this is just them scratching the surface of what potential they have.
2: I agree 100%. If I'm Chris Bates and this Archers team, I am leaving this Utah bubble with my head held high. They proved that they were not the same team as last year. They proved that they are championship caliber. Grant Ament, Marcus Holman, Tom Schreiber, Will Manny, all of them, including Mazone, including Sankey,
1: Ryan Ambler and
2: Josh Courier as well. Ryan Ambler, all of these guys showed that they are here to stay. I am not sleeping on this Archers team ever again. They proved that they will be back next year and I'm just so excited to see what they can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they effectively replaced the guys they lost in the expansion draft. You know, big big yep. pieces that they lost. Ben McIntosh, Christian Cuccinello. You bring in Grant in the uh, the college draft. You bring in Josh Currier through waivers, and they effectively did everything that those guys did that they had to fill the shoes of. You know, Grant was sensational. Josh Currier was, you know, the pick-and-roll player that was promised for Tom Schreiber and this Archers team has so much potential. If you're an Archers fan, you should be excited about how things are looking because this team is going to absolutely dominate this league for years to come.
2: Don't discount uh, Ian McKay as well. He had himself a phenomenal he had himself a definite breakout year is what I would say. He will come in next year with the confidence of the rest of the archers team, but him, Mazone, Ament, uh, and Ambler ramble on these guys. Their confidence will be through the roof next season. I would be shocked if I wouldn't be shocked. I would say if they won the title next year, yeah, I'd put early money on them. Honestly, this is a team team built for a deep run.
1: I'm all in on the archers. Um, Chaos, though, they, like we said, they did the damn thing. Excited to see them compete at the highest level in the championship game when the lights shine brightest. 1230, NBC for the world to see. And what better way to get a little bit of a preview than with friend of the show, absolute legend of a human, coach Andy Towers, head coach of Chaos Lacrosse Club. We're going to send it over to our sit-down with Andy Towers. Alright, it's it's the championship game preview episode, and with Chaos heading to the championship, there was no better way to, to get this episode celebrated than by having one of the best friends of the show on, and that is the head coach of the Chaos Lacrosse Club, Mr. Andy Towers. Coach, first of all, congratulations, you're championship bound. Second of all, what a hell of a last two uh, playoff games you guys have had.
3: thanks Kyle I really appreciate it you know uh fortunately we were able to come together at the right time and uh you know but we still have one more game to go so hopefully we can keep it rolling here
1: take me through group play because obviously we haven't uh you know talked on the podcast since you guys have been in Utah but take me through group play you guys go oh and four what's kind of the the mood in the locker room knowing that you guys are still itching for that first win. Obviously, everybody makes the playoffs in this format, but how you know tough and, and draining was it knowing that group play goes by and you guys still were looking for win number one.
3: You know we we uh, you know we certainly go out and try to win every single game that we played. Although it wasn't lost on any of us that whether we were four zero or zero and four, which is what we were during group play. That the only thing that mattered was peaking for the playoffs, which was, you know, Tuesday's game versus the Chrome and beyond. And so certainly, you know, while we go out and we're trying to win um, and it's frustrating to not win, we were very aware that our best performance needed to be in the playoffs. And fortunately, to this point, that's been the case, but we still have one more game to go.
1: A lot of the new guys have uh, stepped up for you in a big way from Curtis Dixon truly you know, showing the world why he is Superman. Uh, Austin Stotts has come on as of late. Sergio Salcido has been fantastic in that midfield. What's it been like working with these new guys uh, that weren't on this team last year and seeing the way that they've been able to contribute and kind of mesh with the guys that were there and uh, you know, the play on the field, especially these last two games?
3: Uh, It's been great. It's been great to get to know those guys as people, you know, first and foremost, Um, you know, obviously every player in this league is a great player. Otherwise they wouldn't be in the league, Um, you know, but, but between Sergio and Austin stats and Curtis Dixon, uh, you know, Dylan Ward, uh, Jason Noble, um, Tyson Bell, you know, those are all guys that we didn't have last year and every every team is a new team. And while we did have a lot of carryover, um, you know, it's a, it's a different dynamic in the locker room. And last year we had a great season. We had a great team, you know, but we sort of peaked in weeks seven and eight and, um, you know, didn't perform well down the stretch in the playoffs, even though we had the best regular season record. And knowing what that felt like, uh, you know, we were very conscious to try to, build towards putting our best product on the field for the playoffs when it mattered most. And, you know, so far we've been able to do that, but again, we got one more to go. So.
1: I think this, this next name goes without saying, uh, but I just want to get your thoughts as soon as I say Blaze Reardon.
3: You know, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta talk about him as the best player on the planet. You really do. And, And that's not even what he does. Um, in the box where I know he's an awesome forward. You know, what he's been able to do for us has left no gray area as to who the best goalie is on the planet. And that's not an indictment on the other goalies in this league. They're they're the best in the world. But I think Blaze has played at a level that, um, you know, very few have ever played at at his position. And he deserves every ounce of, of credit that uh, that people throw his way,
1: how big of a help has Dylan Ward been to him through all of this? Obviously, him coming in brand new, but to be able to pick Dylan's mind, I think would help anybody with the the accolades that he has had in his career. How big of a help has Dylan Ward been to you, just even as an extension of the coaching staff when it so comes Dylan, to Blaze? I mean,
3: yeah, I mean, I I think that I think that Dylan and Blaze view themselves as uh, you know, as one entity trying to help our team win and, you know, as good as blaze weird is, you know, Dylan Ward is right there with them. And I'm sure blaze recognizes that. I know blaze recognizes that certainly Dylan, you know, is as confident as uh, you know, as you need him to be. And frankly, I think we have the two best goalies on the planet on one team, our team. And, you know, but there's no egos, between them and to be able to have guys that are that talented on the same roster that are egoless really, you know, sets the foundation for the whole team coming together as one. And, and, you know, in a, in a professional league, in any sport, you know, you got to manage the confidence of the guys on your roster. And Dylan Ward has been, (laughs) you know, the best teammate and and everything that we thought he would be. Uh, Well, we knew he was a great player, but, but the type of teammate he's been is, is, is indescribable. You know, he is 100% about our team's success and blazes success. And if we needed him to come in and, 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 and play all game, he'd do that and would tear it up. And, and, you know, at this point Blaze is tearing it up and, I don't think there's a a bigger Blaze Reardon fan than Dylan Ward, and that just speaks to the kind of character that that kid has.
1: I'd be remiss to ask you about these uh, last couple of playoff lineups too, because it's been the talk of you know everybody who covers this league and the sport. Connor Fields has been on the bench, and Miles Thompson's yeah. gotten the start. What kind of yeah. went into the the game planning of that, and what you know? decision-making went into starting Miles over Connor Fields?
3: Well, you know, we went through the round-robin play, and, you know, we, we felt that after four games, with three sort of perimeter-style attackmen and Josh Byrne and Connor Fields and, and Curtis Dixon, you know, what we didn't have was an inside presence. And Miles Thompson's arguably the best inside guy in the history of the sport, and so to be able to put a player like that on the field and give our opponents' defenses a different look was something that we needed to try as we were trying to figure out what the right combination was for our team. And fortunately we found success with that change. You know, Connor Fields is is you know, arguably the best attackman on the planet. He's an unbelievable player. And um, you know, but this is this isn't about Connor Fields or really about Miles Thompson. It's just about us trying to, you know, figure out what the right combination is to win some games. And and you know, certainly starting the playoffs, we've been able to do that and hopefully we can do it one more time.
1: And speaking of combinations, Josh Byrne hit that four button combo yesterday. What was going through (laughs) your mind when he goes through his legs and it finds the back of the cage?
3: I Humor, I think more so than anything else. You know, just knowing uh, the type of tongue-in-cheek sense of humor that Josh Byrne has, um, you know, it just made me sort of laugh. You know, that kid has got as much swagger and as much personality um, as anybody anywhere, and, you know, him going to that shot, you know, I, I think was actually a fundamentally sound decision based on the situation that he was in, um, you know, and, and just knowing the type of person that he is, it just made me laugh because it's, you know, sort of parallels his sense of humor to do something like that. The fact that it, it was successful, just uh, made it even funnier.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, he and uh, his fellow teammate year round, Dane Smith, have really clicked over these past two games with what they've been able to do. I mean, you're on the record saying Dane is arguably the best midfielder on the planet. Um, what have you seen from Dane and how he's been able to kind of elevate with this new lineup as well to, you know, really bring his game up a notch during the
3: playoffs? Dane's a playmaker. You know, Josh is a playmaker. And, and you know, you, you look at offensive players in this league and anywhere and you got guys that are goal scorers, you got guys that are feeders, and then you got playmakers. And playmakers are guys that, you know, can go out and score eight goals just as easily as they can go out and have eight assists and are, uh, you know, unselfish enough and smart enough to also realize that whether they score goals, whether they get assists, or whether they have no points and they're able to start the offense, that, um, you know, the best players are the ones that make the right play with the most consistency. And, you Dane exemplifies that Um, you know he just he's a really smart person he's uh, super humble he's team first he doesn't care who gets the credit and whatever role you need him to fulfill um, he's able to do that And it's great to see him have success certainly along Josh as well as those guys are are uh, you know great friends and, and great teammates to everybody.
1: What have you seen from your defense, obviously, with the youth on that defense um, being led by Jared and and Jack, and then you still have Troy back there as well, but kind of a new look defense for you guys overall this year, and uh, without Johnny being available due to military obligations, uh, some new pieces around Jared and Jack that they didn't really get to play with last year. What have you seen from them and how they've been able to kind of adapt and adjust uh, in year two?
3: Yeah, you know you got to credit Ryan Curtis, who's our defensive coordinator. He's done an incredible job of getting these guys connected. You know, you lose Brody Merrill, you lose Kyle McClancy, you know, you lose backup goalie, Charlie Cipriano, all unbelievable teammates, great players. And, but every year it's different, you know, and, and and it was disappointing that we weren't able to get Johnny as, you know, the D one defenseman of the year, two years ago, a phenomenal player, Um, you know, to not have him was disappointing. but you know, guys have stepped up. you know, certainly Jared and Jack have, have played like first team, all PLL defensemen, particularly in the playoffs, but, but pretty much throughout the whole time here. Um, you know, you got, uh, Dan Coats, who uh, is just an unbelievable, uh, teammate, you know, he just understands, uh, you know, the locker room, he he understands how you want to play, he understands the importance of getting connected and, you got him, and you got Jason Noble. You got Troy Ray. You got Matt Reese. You know, as our long pole unit, and 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 they all are, you know, just want to win. And and then you go through our short sticks. Nobody's played better than Pat Rash in this championship series. You know, Mark Luciani's the team captain, and um, you know, uh, as tough as they come, you got Tyson Bell, who wasn't with us last year, who has just been uh, a real shot in the arm for our whole locker room, on the field, off the field you know, what a warrior, how humble, you know, can you be, um, you know, and, and I just think that with in the goal and, and, and Dylan Ward, um, you know, down there as well, I just feel like we have the pieces even with Johnny not making it. And even with the loss of, you know, some of the, some of the best players, you know, that are currently in the league and, and McLanson and Brody and, and Charlie Cipriano. And, you know, fortunately we got, ryan curtis on our sideline and ryan curtis has been able to get those guys connected and, and and we've benefited you know in a huge way as a team from it
1: i'd be remiss to ask you what are your thoughts on the new chaos jerseys
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what uh i like them actually at first i was i was uh, it took me a second but but i've certainly grown to like them that's for sure
1: they look incredible on your guys um and they're gonna have championship patches on them come Sunday and you guys uh, get the whip right. snakes. What hope you know right. first thought last night when you see when I had deja vu watching whip snakes win another overtime game uh against Redwoods, they're your opponent on Sunday, twelve thirty, NBC. Uh thoughts on, you know, taking on the defending champs.
3: Yeah, listen, I you know what? There's not a better staff than then Stags and, and Brian Grady and Mike Murphy, they've done an incredible job of building that team and coaching that team and keeping that team connected. You know, uh, their players, there's not a, there's not a weak part to their team. They're unbelievable at the X. They're unbelievable in the goal. They're loaded defensively. They're o- loaded offensively. And they know exactly who they are in all facets of the game. You know, there's, there's a reason why they dominated, um, you know round robin play and there's there's you know it's not lost on us that that if we want to win the world championship we got to beat the team that's on top and the whip Snakes have proved without a doubt that they are uh you know on top and so it's only appropriate that we play them as we try to you know win the PLL championship on sunday we we, we couldn't have more respect for a team than than that team
1: from your, you know, outside perspective, watching what he's been able to do at the face-off strike, how does somebody stop Joe Nardella from what he's doing right now?
3: You know, Joe Nardella has played at an MVP level, and certainly, um, you know, it's, it's a huge challenge. And I think that you're not going to stop Joe Nardella. The, the best you can do is try to manage and limit his success the best that you can, and hope that you can steal possessions. Um, you know, in a way that allows you to, uh, you know, win the game and, and that's our goal. You know, you he's going to have a success. There's no question about it, but we feel very confident in Tommy Kelly and, um, you know, what we're looking at is a, as a three on three ground ball in the middle of the field and, and really a, a game of uh, 10 on 10.
1: What can we expect, you know, when that first whistle blows Sunday, 1230, 48 minutes of chaos ball, as Josh Byrne would say? Uh, what are your expectations going into Sunday?
3: That we're going to stay in the moment and we are going to attack uh, each moment with a clear mind and a purposeful, uh, you know, mindset so that we uh, ideally win the first moment of the first quarter you know that's that's what we're worried about
1: it's going to be a blast i can't wait i'm super pumped for you and obviously the rest of the guys uh on that chaos team you have been an exceptional uh you know friend to this show and have always supported us from day one so we're super excited to uh get to watch you do your thing at the highest level in a championship uh, moment so uh go out there kick ass take names and as you would always say let's fucking go andy towers let's
3: fucking go Kyle. all right man i appreciate your support and uh i love your show and thanks so much for what you do for the league and for the sport in general you're the fucking man
1: stay safe uh kick ass and uh on your way home as well stay safe and take care of that trophy when uh, you you hoist it because that thing looks uh pretty fragile
3: uh, I hope I hope that's the case. Thanks,
1: Kai. I appreciate it both. Big shout out to Coach Andy Towers coming back on the show. Always a a joy and a pleasure to have AT on the podcast and always getting his signature sign off of an LFG is the absolute best. Uh, Let's get into the other matchup from last night, Harrison. I am still emotionally and mentally recovering from it uh, because I had the most severe case of deja vu in overtime again as uh, fans of the game. Obviously, everyone knows we we cover the league and everything and you're an intern and everything and... But we're Redwoods fans, you know? We've we've gotten on board with the team since the beginning. Uh, we were not bandwagon fans. We've both been Redwoods fans no, since day one. And uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> Whipsnakes and overtime is our kryptonite as uh, Whipsnakes beat Redwoods 13-12 to in overtime, and Whipsnakes are going back to the championship game. I don't know about you, but I literally was having PTSD during that final possession, uh, and then I had severe deja vu as soon as uh, Jeremy Sieverts scores the game-winning goal to send our Woods packing.
2: I'm just going to preface this by saying as a lacrosse fan, that was one of the best games of lacrosse I've ever seen. Throw that in with a title game last year with Archers Atlas earlier this year. I was having such a great time, but me personally as a Redwoods fan, I was hurting. That felt so eerily similar to last year. It was creepy how, how close that it felt. It was
1: almost the same script. Like, kick it back to yep. last September, Redwoods were down 9-2 in the championship game. Fought all the way back night. and force overtime and then they lose in overtime. Fast forward, almost a full year later, they're down 8-2 Claw all the way back, force overtime, and then lose in overtime. And you just got to
2: feel for that, St. I and the guys at this point. Like, you just really feel for this team because this is their big hump to get over to really be champions. Because once they can beat the Whip Snakes consistently, then they can start winning titles. But they need to beat the Whip Snakes, they have to. Oh, it was so painful to watch them last night because you could see the potential in this team and you saw how well they played and then it just went to overtime and there's nothing you can do. It's the high bouncers that's been killing goaltenders this entire tournament and it's a high bouncer from Sieverts that did in Troutner again. I really hope next year's the year because it's just painful for us at this point.
1: It's just, you know, and with Nat being a friend of the show, Ryder being a friend of the show, Chris Collins being a day one supporter and friend of the show in his first year on the Redwoods coaching staff, like my heart physically hurts for those guys. And obviously we have friends on the whip snakes as well with Channy and Nards and Stags. you know, interacting with us on Twitter and everything. Stags still hasn't come on the pod though, waiting on Stags. Um, It'll eventually happen. Um, But, like, just the way that Nat has always been, like, a a straight-up incredible supporter of what we do, it it adds to why we want to support guys like Nat, guys like Ryder, guys like Chris Collins, and, you know, it was just fun. Like, overall, win, lose, draw, like, last night's game game was another classic in this rivalry. It is the rivalry In the PLL, there's no other rivalry yet. Like Whipsnakes Redwoods is is the rivalry. And I said it on our Twitter live post game of Chaos Archers when we were previewing the game. It's so eerily similar to Patriots Colts. Whipsnakes are the Patriots, Redwoods are the Colts, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady eras. And we're just waiting for the Peyton Manning esque Redwoods. To get over that hump of the whip snakes, you know, there's that one regular season win they have in Atlanta from 2019, but they just haven't been able to overcome it yet. I mean, Greg Piskuljan, shout out, really held his own against Joe Nardella last night, and both the face
2: up guys did, in my opinion,
1: kept this team alive. Like Peyton Smith struggled early, and as soon as Greggy P came in. He was almost 40%, and going up against a guy who was in the MVP discussion, Joe Nardella, Nards lost six straight faceoffs to Paskuljan. That's yeah. unbelievable for what Nards has been doing this championship series.
2: Greg's the only faceoff guy to really do that to him this championship series as well. Nobody has dominated Nardella, even for a little bit of a game. That one portion in which Paskuljan was winning everything was when Redwoods were at their best. And it was in the clutch. And you, It was. Piscolton was Mr. Clutch last night. But you were saying that this is feeling like New England uh, Indianapolis. I'm feeling, again, the Eagles comparisons for this Redwoods team, because they showed Philly grit last night. Mm-hmm. They really did. They fought, they clawed, and it just came up short.
1: It's that Chris Collins. And that, them. It.
2: It feels like every single Philadelphia team, apart from the 2008 Phillies and the 2018 Eagles that I've been seeing my whole life, they fight their hardest, but it's just not enough.
1: I think the biggest takeaway from this game, looking at the final stats, uh, Whipsnakes almost doubled up Redwoods on ground balls. Whipsnakes won 43 ground balls last night compared to 24 for redwoods that's a a big disparity right there um whip snakes won 67 percent of their face-offs redwoods won 33 percent um you know and i think the biggest thing that i took away from this game because it ended up being a one goal game you held channy away from hitting two bombs but I was screaming at my TV just as a lacrosse fan watching, knowing what Channy does, like his bread and butter is shooting those two bombs, like calculated two bombs is Channy's like, that's his weapon of choice. He was just inside the crease of the the two-point arc, I should say. Um, And it was like he was on an island by himself and there was no defender around him. And the two times that that happened, he capitalized and found the back of the cage. How, as a defender, do you allow a guy with that type of lethal shooting ability to just sit out on an island by himself, and and you ri- run the risk of of giving up points that easily? Just put a long pole on him to to yeah. you know distance yourself and and separate. Like you cannot have Mike Chan and Chuck out on an island by himself, just you know, waiting at will to to shoot. Because it proved last night that that's arguably the the difference maker. Channy doesn't make yeah. those shots. Red, we're talking about the Redwoods in the championship game because that's two goals to take away from Web Snakes.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think they were mainly focusing on that interior defense rather than the exterior because we saw how well their interior played on Zeddy and Matt Rambo, shutting them down. Zero, Which is like,
1: if you would have told me ever in those two guys' careers that you would have a, a scoreless game from them, I would have called you crazy. Yeah,
2: but in doing that lockdown defense on Zeddy and on Rambo, You forget about other scorers that they have, like Chani from the exterior. They let Jay Carlson run all over them for four goals last night. And then they had their final goal scored by Jeremy Sieverts, his first goal of the tournament. In focusing on their two big guns, their defense let their other scorers do what they do best. And that's why they lost this game tonight, or last night,
1: I should say. And you let Brad Smith move the ball around like nobody's yep. business. He had five, five assists, and he his goal—Rambo numbers—and his goal was a snipe. Like it was one of the most beautiful shots I've seen the entire tournament. Um, he worked the
2: defense as well. You let he really work that defense,
1: and you let Michael Earhart go out and just launch nukes. Two two-point goals. You can't let a long pull
2: like Earhart have the time to run up the field, and then set his hands and rip one. Because you know he'll rip one. You can't let him do that. And not only did
1: you do it once, you did it
2: twice. Exactly. Once he does it once, you should be locking him down on transition. He does it a second time? Oh my god.
1: You let Channy take nine shots, and luckily he didn't kill you for more, because he only shot 22%. But It, It
2: really feels like... With those scores, other than Rambo and Zetti, they it feels like they should have put up more numbers, honestly, with the defense that was being played. Yes. But credit where credit is due, the defense played on Rambo and Zeddy shut down. Some of the best defense I've seen this entire tournament, considering that they shut them out. They shut them out. Incredible stuff on those two players, but... You forgot about the rest of the offense, and that is inexcusable, and it's the reason they lost.
1: Biggest offensive takeaway from this Redwoods team was the defense that Whip Snakes played on Miles Jones.
2: Miles, he didn't get any good looks last night. Miles he had, had, that had one assist. One assist. But I think
1: he had one two point opportunity that sailed. Uh, he had two
2: two point opportunities. Okay. He had one uh, right at the end of the game. Uh, really nice save from Burnlor on that attempt, but But they shut him down.
1: They shut Miles down. Sergio Pergovic had a a one-point goal in this game, no two-pointers. Did he attempt
2: a two-pointer at all, or did he not even try? I don't even think
1: he did, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, Um, but I think that was the game plan for Jim Stagnita, and this Whipsnake's defense was take away the two-bomb, make them score singles, and go pound for pound with what we do, and then if Channy's left open, that's where we capitalize on the two pointers. And Channy was just inside the two point arc each time. But uh, you you had contributions from so many guys. Matt Cavanaugh four goals was fantastic. He and Ryder had their best games, in my opinion.
2: I'm just I'm really looking forward to next season when Cav, Ryder, and Jules will be working together full force, completely healthy. Because we saw last night what Cav and Ryder can do together. Throw Jules into that mix, and you've got an extremely deadly attack, especially down low and on the interior. Considering that the Redwoods were the lowest-scoring team of all seven during the group play coming up into this game, you saw Ryder and Cav really working well down low, getting those one-point goals, not having to rely on Miles and Perk to pull up from two. And that's what we need to see them do next year. But if Miles and Perk had just hit one two bomb, you see a completely different game. And I mean, Patrick Harbison, he, Pat really Harbison up as last an night.
1: as an SSDM scores. Uh, Jack, Jack Neer. Neer had two points in this game, and Jack Neer was kind of the the shot in the arm that this team needed. You know, you're down. He goes out, scores. I believe it was the second goal of the game for Redwoods, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was.
2: It was number two. And that Diving really play
1: just got things rolling. As soon as Jack Near scored, that's when Redwood started crawling back into the game. Um I what were your thoughts on that final shot attempt from Brent Adams? Because I thought he could have taken more time. He had time on the, you know, on the game clock because the shot clock was turned off, I'm pretty sure at that point. Um yeah. I didn't like that shot selection. I thought he had a little bit more time to maneuver and and get a clearer shot to win the game in regulation. What did you think of that shot?
2: Well, the same thing pretty much. If he had just taken a couple, not even a couple, an extra second, get himself a bit more set, get better sight line on that net, because he has been producing so well for Redwoods over the past couple games, I expected him to take a better shot than he did. But, I i mean, if he had really taken that second, we're talking about Redwoods' chaos final. We really are. There were so many instances
1: and- that could have led to Redwoods being in this championship game, and I think that's what makes it so frustrating for not only like fans and and people who cover the league, but also this team, because they know they should be in this championship game. They did everything under the sun to claw back and deserve to be in the title game and fell short again.
2: I would not be as hard on this team as I am right now if I didn't know they could be in this title game. This team should be there. I feel like they should be there. I feel it in my bones. This is such a good team, and they're going to be hungry next year. But, man, it hurts right now. It really hurts, especially because the Whip Snakes are going to their back to back title games. And they're probably going to win. Knowing this Whip Snakes team, how do you stop them? I think, even with the chaos being as hot as they they are right now, I think the one mm-hmm. way
1: to stop them is running into a chaos team that is playing the way they are right now.
2: That is very fair. That is extremely fair. This chaos team chaos looks is really on good.
1: Cylinders right now, they really are. Um, and but it's let's, this Whipsnakes snakes team, you know, it really is. Let's get into it. You know, redwoods get sent home. Whip snakes are going to the championship game back to back years. They're taking on chaos. Let's preview this championship game all right and we had to do championship weekend big like we did last year and what better way to have a potential mvp candidate the face-off percentage leader and a guy that's just been absolutely going apeshit in the pll championship (laughs) series at the face-off stripe and that is friend of the show making his return to otb the one and only Joe Nardello. What's going on, brother?
0: Not a whole lot. I appreciate the intro. That was pretty hype. And Yeah, happy to be back. I know it's been a while, but like we talked about the first time, the the show got me some juice on game day, so hoping for the same thing this time.
1: Exactly, man. And I think the first thing I got to ask you is what the hell did STX put in your new head because you're going absolutely insane at the face-off stripe, winning 74% of your face-offs heading into the championship game. What is working for you?
0: Um, I, I mean, honestly, the head's been great. Like, number one, it's great plastic and really stiff. So with the heat out here, it's held up really well and allowed me to kind of focus on that first move and be patient rather than have to rotate around and worry about my head getting pushed back. So from, like, a mechanical and technical aspect, it's been awesome and super reliable. I have only used one stick so far, which is uh, pretty rare for face-off guys Definitely. through six games. Yeah, through six games and 100-plus degree heat on the turf. Um, But also, I think it's just a a testament to the training that I've put in. Number one, indoor prepared me really well for the grind of playing a lot of physical games in a short period of time. Um, My strength coach, Joe Drain up in Massachusetts, did a great job prepping me and kicking my ass. Um, And then number three, I've taken, I think, more face-offs than anyone else I'm playing against over the past six months, whether it be with Drew Simino from the Water Dogs or T.D. Erland from Yale or Max Adler who plays in the Outlaws. Um, I've been going probably three to five hours a week of live face-offs um, since March, so that's definitely paying off right now.
1: And that was going to be my next thing. How much do you think you know playing indoor this year with the New England Black Wolves in the NLL helped you? You know, playing f- almost straight through until. Uh, COVID-19 came through and swept away the rest of the season. How much do you think that helped you uh, for what you guys are doing right now in the championship series?
0: Dude, so much. Number one, like playing regular D shifts and battling on loose balls, fighting through picks um, and taking every face off. I, I, was in the best shape lacrosse wise. I think I have been since college and that kind of, I just built upon that leading up to this. And then number two, the physicality, picking up loose balls, um, communication, all that stuff, I think in my game significantly improved from indoor. So I owe a lot of that to the black wolves, their coaching staff, my teammates who helped prepare me to get better um, during that time. And I kind of built on that momentum and carried it forward.
1: Now, a lot of people had questions about this Whip Snakes team heading in. You guys were the defending champs, but I feel like for a team that just won a championship, there was a lot of question marks because the Water Dogs took a, a bunch of your guys that were like core pieces of your offense, but you guys have not skipped a beat. Z- Zeddy ball games come in and clicked with Matt Rambo on levels I don't think anybody expected uh, just right off the bat for two guys that have never played together uh what has you know been the message in the since you guys got to utah about you know just sticking together playing as rambo has said whip snakes ball and uh you guys look like you haven't skipped a beat since you know last season
0: yeah, I think that that trickles down from Coach Stagg's. I give him a ton of credit. He's an awesome leader. He's been a great coach um, throughout last season and leading up to this season. And he's kept our focus pretty simple just on, on controlling what we can control and looking at the game ahead of us and not really talking about getting back to the championship game. Well, now we, we can talk about that. Um, we're pretty fired up. And I think the TR team has such great cohesion because of, like, you know, a lot of the Maryland connection. And although a lot of these guys didn't play, together they all have a similar like tough lacrosse mindset and I think the guys we've brought in that are not from Maryland like Ty Warner myself TJ Camizio Zed like all those guys have really bought in and embraced that And we've, we've had a really successful campaign just you know playing for the guys in the locker room
1: was it just me or did you also have deja vu sitting on the sideline when that overtime goal goes in because <laughs> I felt like I was In September 2019, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all over again. Uh, What was going through your mind as you watched Jeremy Sievert sink that goal to send you guys back to the championship game?
0: Dude, I mean, I I like to think it was like deja vu, but it was way more stressful because it was two possessions before we scored for both teams. Um, So it was definitely more of a heartache. But, yeah, you know, I – I had complete deja vu thinking of overtime, kind of going within myself because, you know, you get a little bit of time with, like, the captain's meeting, the team's talking beforehand. So as the face-off guy, you're thinking, like, what's he going to try to do? What do I have to do? What have I done that's been successful to this point? And how am I going to get the, my team the ball? Because you're never guaranteed to touch it if you don't win that draw.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, during that game against Redwoods, Pascouljan kind of went on a run against you that – Nobody's really been able to get to with you the way you've been playing this season. Um, What was that battle like, you know, all game long, knowing that you both were were fighting for a chance to either go play for a championship or you're going to get your bags packed and you were going home?
0: Yeah, a lot of credit to him. The whistles have been so fast. And I think, you know, I've been kind of on top of the cadences. And he did a great job adjusting and kind of beat me to the ball a few times and just employing a tactic to get the ball out as quickly as possible. Fortunately for me, you know, I have great wing guys who do a good job keeping uh, the other team away from me. So I was still able, after losing the clamp, to get a lot of those ground balls back. And, you know, when he did make his run, it could have been really easy, been like, damn. Like, he's getting me, but instead I was just like, you know, I've done this before, I've lost face-offs before, it's time to go back to the drawing board, figure out what made me, made me successful in quarters one and two. And I kind of triggered that and uh, was able to close winning all all the fourth quarter and overtime face-off.
1: You bring up, you know, the 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 whistles being fast and, you know, the, the cadences being a lot different than what you guys are accustomed to. Um, you know, what has gone into your preparation to really – lock in because it seems like you're the one guy that is like you said on top of figuring out these referees cadences and it is only one referee crew um so what's gone into you know just figuring out how they're going about their whistles and their cadences for the face-offs
0: yeah, so back at Rutgers, when I first really got into facing off, um, there was a, an alum, Aaron Cardilla, who would come and help us out all the time. And he was big on studying officials. And, you know, I never try to put too much stock into it because refs change from game to game. But in college, you would see, you know, similar guys at some points throughout the season. So he would always tell us to make sure you remember faces and numbers because, yeah, you know, if you can figure out their cadence and get it down, it's a huge advantage. And I think one of the things um, with us being able to watch all the games in person, especially during pool play – you know you I can sit right on that 50 yard line and watch how fast it's going down so I felt like I was prepared just by watching and that's something I learned a long time ago but you know as a face-off guy and me playing both indoor outdoor it's constant adjustment right because in indoor you're you're not really listening you're watching the refs so you got to adjust to that and right now and similarly you know I'm just adjusting to how they're how they're calling it and what the cadences are like and i feel like i've been in a pretty good mindset the entire time
1: how has the uh the heat and elevation if there is any difference been for you out in utah
0: yeah game one i was like damn this is gonna be tough (laughs) i think i've acclimated pretty well and um you know i trained pretty hard for this so i felt prepared and like relied on my conditioning um to get me through it even when i felt like it was tough because i've kind of been there Um, on the training grounds, but I think the elevation and the heat, like you can never really prepare for the heat. But one thing I had done is, you know, I always, when I was going, like going after back home was wear sweatshirts while I was training outside, even if it was 90 degrees, because I knew it'd be hotter on the turf. So I I definitely prepped my body for this pretty well.
1: How much have these new, like advanced analytics that have started to come into play across the board? In this sport, you know, how has that helped you? I know a lot has gone into, you know, faceoffs, especially, you know, with Greg's podcast with the stripe and uh, just the PLL stats across the board. Have you looked into any of those and have they been, you know, a big help for you and just, you know, studying and preparing for, you know, each game?
0: Um, I think it's been huge. You know, for me, I saw a lot of success in my, my post-clamp play on those advanced stats, um, but also a lack of success on my initial clamp. And that was really my focus this off season was focusing on that first move and not rotating too quickly or getting upfield and exposing myself to other guys pulling the ball out. So it definitely gave me a really fine focus for my training, which has helped a ton.
1: And with you being the only face-off athlete like traditionally on this whip snakes roster how much has gone into you know you just mentally being locked in so that you don't you know false start or anything so you don't have to you know miss one of the next draws
0: yeah I think you know coach Staggs gives me a ton of confidence by by trusting me to be that only guy and I've uh, I've embraced that role and felt pretty confident and like that, even if I do go earlier, get a violation that Joe McCallion's going to do just fine. I think he's 50% exactly, which is, you know, our goal from the get go. Um, but I think it's a lo- really allowed me to get into rhythms in every game and not have to worry about him taking reps off or missing reps. Um, and that's been huge.
1: Now, you and I both know you're an Eagles fan, uh, but you guys are drawing a lot of comparisons to the New England Patriots. <laughs> um, you know, there was the the video of you guys practicing ground balls before the game against Redwoods, and that's just like the fundamentals. And that's what Bill Belichick does. Um, what do you think, you know, when it comes to Stag's coaching philosophy, get you guys prepared and, and put you in all these proper positions to get to these championship games now back to back years?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it draws a lot of, par- like, his focus on fundamentals, us starting training camp slow, and I know there was talks about that um, as well, just kind of draws parallels to how we try to make the game as simple as possible, and like Rambo always says, hit singles, and, and I think <laughs> it's worked really, really well for us. cross is a simple game, especially when you're playing with a lot of great players, and we've just focused on doing the little things right, and it's really helped us out a ton. Do you enjoy being mic'd up? Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. Boyle only taps me in once or twice a game so I can stay pretty focused <laughs> on uh, on the battle at hand. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, the first time they gave me the mic, Jake Bernhardt's like, don't wear that. He didn't want to mess with my flow at all. But uh, yeah, I think I'm someone who's not easily bothered or distracted, and that's one of my, my strengths as a face-off guy is my ability to focus on one thing and keep my mindset singular. So um, it hasn't really bothered me at all.
1: Has it hit you that... You know, it's back-to-back seasons now for you guys that you're going to be in the spotlight. You know, for the world to watch in a championship, you know, setting.
0: Yeah, I think you know. Once we started doing the media stuff yesterday, it really hit all of us that that we're here again, and it's time to show up and play with snake ball.
1: How do you guys kind of like you know just prepare for that, knowing that you knew what it took to to get it done last year but last year is last year and this is a new season you're playing against a new team now and you're coming off an emotional win too against Redwoods your your number one rival uh how do you guys you know just emotionally prepare to move on from last season's championship put it in the rearview mirror and put this past game in the rearview mirror as well and prepare for a chaos team that's you know clicking on all cylinders right now
0: yeah, we've really tried not to focus on last season um, too much at all, but I think last game was really the first time Coach Staggs referenced that he's like, we've been here before. We've given up runs, we've gutted out tough games, and we're going to do the same thing. So I think having that confidence of knowing you've done it before and how history has a tendency of repeating itself definitely gives us a little extra juice, but also focusing on this year. like I think us getting that kind of smack in the mouth from the Redwoods and having a got through a tough game was definitely a character test that's going to help us you know tomorrow and i think we're we're more than prepared to get the job done
1: you look at this chaos team and you know everybody talking about them they went oh and four in group play and that's been the big storyline around them but then out of nowhere they bench arguably the second best offensive player on the planet in connor fields and their offense starts clicking out of nowhere um what have you guys been doing to, you know, prepare for this team and the way they play? Because they have a unique style uh, that they bring to the table, and it's very NLL box-style game with the guys that are on their team. What have you guys been doing to prepare for uh, this chaos squad?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we got their best game in pool play, too. They were pretty pissed off about being 0-2. They gave us a good run. It was a tight game throughout until we kind of pulled away at the Um so we're definitely not taking them like lightly like other teams may have given their pool play record. But I think a lot of emphasis has been on splitting the, the field in half, taking away the middle and defending the two man game. Um, and I think, you know, our defense of all the defenses out there is the most prepared and most suited to take this high potent offense down. But we expected the chaos to be like this from the start. You know, We expected them to be a really good offensive team. Um, I think we match up well with them because we have an awesome goalie and a great defense. Um, and I think we're going to have the possession advantage as well. So hopefully the ball's on there more than ours. How uh,
1: how interesting is it going to be with this goalie battle? you got the two top goalies, save percentage-wise, going up against each other with Blaze and, and your guy, Kyle Burnlaw. Uh, I think this the the goalie battle is definitely something that I'm taking a look at. Uh, how how do you prepare? Because I know you're a guy that likes to score goals too. Uh, what what are you thinking about when you know thinking about facing up against Blaze?
0: Yeah, I mean Blaze is an awesome goalie, good friend of a lot of the guys on our team. Um, I've known him for a long time. So we have a ton of respect for him and what he's done this tournament is nothing short of spectacular, especially after coming off a a tough game one. He's really bounced back and shown the world why he was the goalie of the year last year. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just shooting the scout, right? With Blaze, I think a lot of times if you change levels or go with high bound shots, those will go um, as long as you're – you're taking the right shots, and that's something Coach Shagg says to the offense every game is we're looking for the best shot, not the first shot. That's going to be huge this weekend because if you take bad shots, not only is Blaze great at saving it, but he's awesome at starting transition the other way. So the big thing thing for us is just putting the ball on the ground, not shooting at his body or his stick, and really aiming for net. And I think game one, um, when I was able to get that goal against these guys, it was just a high bouncer shooting scout, you know.
1: Does it come into your guys mind at all that, you know, it's the final game so, you know, all the tricks could come out of the bag and you could see Blaze, you know, out in the field playing forward and Dylan Ward hops and Cage
0: Yeah, I mean, I know Coach Towers is a great coach, and he's definitely going to be making some adjustments from game one like they've done in their, their previous games. Um, but, but I don't know if we're going to see him in the field or CD Ward in, in that. Um, but we're prepared for anything just like they're going to have to be for us because we have some adjustments off our sleeve as well.
1: How? Uh, I know we brought it up a little bit before, but how exciting is it, you know, NBC, the spotlight during what would have been the Olympic, you know, time slot and everything you guys are playing for back-to-back championships. Um, you know, you're trying to defend the crown rather than win it. Um, what what kind of excitement is flowing, you know, through you, you know, just 24 hours out?
3: That's what it's all
0: about, man, you know, is getting to play play a game that your whole family, all your friends can watch on national TV Um, and support you. And I think the platform the PLL has given us to do such a thing like this is is tremendous for the sport. And I think that's really what we're focused on is just not taking the opportunity for granted, realizing how lucky we are um, to get to do what we do with the people we do it with. And that's really all all we're focused on is just trying to get that win. And it's kind of easy to block out the noise when, you know, you're on that field with just the other team and all the staff um there's no fans it's really no bs we're just there to play the game
1: joe nardella you're the absolute man keep doing what you're doing uh we love you you know your support of our show has always uh been one that we we adore and what you do on the field for the faceoff position is incredible go play some whip snakes ball best of luck and uh hopefully we'll have you on soon again and potentially talking about another championship
0: Hell yeah, Kyle, you are the man. Way too nice. I appreciate all that. But yeah, thank you. We're going to get the job done, and hopefully we can circle back soon.
1: Absolutely, man. Best of luck.
0: Yeah, thanks, brother. Talk to you later. I would say
2: I'm going to give my score prediction real quick. I'm going to say an overtime game again. This is definitely going to overtime. And it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm gonna say fifteen, fourteen. Chaos. I know. I just went on that rant about how do you stop this Whip Snakes team? But this, if it goes to overtime, and if Whip Snakes don't come out of the gate hot, it's Chaos's game to lose at that point.
1: I think the biggest matchup that we have to look at is this Chaos defense caused. The third most turnovers throughout the entire tournament, uh, mm-hmm. Whip Snakes caused the least, where they caused twenty six turnover had twenty six caused turnovers. Chaos had forty seven, uh, but Whip Snakes played the ground ball game better than anybody. Almost two hundred ground balls through the tournament. Chaos not far behind, one hundred and fifty two. Um, I think it's going to come down to these defenses, and you're going to have the ultimate goalie battle in this game between oh Burnmore and Blaze Reardon.
2: I I genuinely just want Chaos to win for Blazer. Blazer, as, as a goalie, I have been just blown away. He took what he did last year, which was ridiculous goaltending numbers. I mean, he was the goalie of the year for a reason. And he came into this year and said, screw it, I'm just going to do what I did last year, but better. I... I'm blown away by Blaze Riven and everything he does when he steps into that crease.
1: Yeah. The I mean, man's a hero. 105 saves through oh through the series for Blaze. 63% Six games. 63% save percentage. God.
2: Damn. What numbers.
1: Ridiculous. Oh my god. And then the other side of the ball that you have to look at here is uh obviously Joe Nardella, MVP discussion. Se- Whipsnakes is a team 72% on the face-off, 92 of 127 going up against the team that was dead last in chaos at 34% who won, not, didn't even win 50 face-offs throughout the series yet. They're 49 of 145. That is where Tommy Kelly and these wings for chaos need to like slap themselves in the face, do whatever it takes because you're going to have to win a lot more than 34. Per- like they're going to have to play well above their average if they're going to end up winning this game because the face-offs tied into the ground balls that Whip Snakes win as number one in both categories in the, in the entire league for both of those, you're going to have to do a lot of work at the face-off stripe in order to, uh, come away victorious or even think about winning.
2: Yeah. Uh, you were talking about the cause turnovers too. how chaos were third in the league compared to the last whip snakes. They're going to need to come out swinging off of those face offs even harder than they have in the past. I mean, they're going to need to make connections on sticks immediately and get that ball on the ground. Uh, even if whip snakes come up with the ball, just keep swinging at them These turnovers are, are what is going to – that's what's going to decide the game. It really is. And if Chaos can come out and really get that ball moving, get it out of Whipsnake's mix fast, we might be looking at new champs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we're going to have to look at, too, is is Connor Field's going to play at all in this game? Um, Obviously hasn't played in the playoffs yet for Chaos. Uh, which seems to be just as a coach's decision. Um, But Chaos has been moving the ball around a lot better the last two games than they did in group play. Uh, A a tad behind, like a tier behind Whipsnakes in the assist category throughout the championship series at 40 for Whipsnakes, 29 for Chaos. But goals, they're like neck and neck. 62 one-point goals for Whipsnakes. Chaos has 58. And then... Two pointers; they're almost dead even at four for Whip Snakes, three for Chaos. So, I mean, the goal scoring ability is there for both teams. Can Chaos move this ball around a little bit better than they have, and and really create fluid motions for for these snipers that they have in Curtis Dixon? Have somebody on the interior like Miles Thompson? Josh Byrne is on another level. Get this midfield even more involved, you know, moving forward with Dane Smith, Bucky. Austin Stotts, uh, you know, the the midfield, I think, is the, the thing to watch for this Chaos team and how involved they can get offensively.
2: What I really want to see is the revival of the bomb squad. I yes. said on the last episode that it was low-key dead. I want Jared to run up and just rip one. Just give me one. You don't even have to score. Just rip a shot at Burnmore. Because if you if Jared starts putting those shots on cage again, you're gonna see a chaos offense who is alive and well and thriving because they have this cushion and this feeling this um I don't want to phrase this this security blanket that your defender can come up and score even if you don't put it at home immediately. So it all comes back to their defense and Jared Newman, especially, coming up and being that offensive threat that we all know all of their long pulls can be.
1: You don't know how long. <laughs> I have concocted a number of hashtag Newman nukes tweets in the drafts of the OTB Twitter account for. There, the are, account. there are ones in the chamber. Like, they are waiting. And I thought I was going to be able to let one off yesterday when they played Archers, and Jared was like, wide open and ditched it off i i miss lumen nukes i miss it like jared do you understand how badly we are trying to brand a hot sauce named after you because you are a hot sauce connoisseur it comes from you ripping two bombs i i need it's like it's almost like the bomb squad has a case of like missing identity you know like jake fracaro was very cold during group play And then has kind of caught on a little bit during the playoffs. Had that incredible game against Chrome. Uh, Troy Ray hasn't really done anything offensively with the pole. Jared Newman has not ripped a two-bomb all championship series. Um, Matt Reese has not ripped a two-bomb at all. Like, the bomb squad is, like, on the side of a milk carton. And I don't know if it's just, you know, they've gone fishing or they've just decided to bury the bomb squad rip 2019 to
2: 2020 i honestly i think they're pulling a fast one on us i think they're playing the long game right now they're making us think they're no they're lulling the whip snakes into a sense of false security right now and then sometime during the second or third quarter i'm i'm putting it in the middle two quarters it's not going to be right from the beginning and it's not going to be at the end but someone from the bomb squad of last year. It's going to be either for It's going to be Newman. It's going to be Reese. It's going to be someone they're going to run up. And, uh, I don't know. Burn Laura will think that whoever it will, they won't be taking this long bomb. No way. They'll be taking this two point bomb. They have been cold all year from beyond the arc. No way it happens. And then bang, it's in the back of the net. And that's going to be the spark that chaos need to go on and win the game. If they can get the bomb squad rolling again, chaos win, no doubt. But and it just comes it's back it's to that. It's bomb
1: squad versus the two bomb king, Channy versus the bomb squad. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, looking at the the betting odds via DraftKings Sportsbook hashtag. Not a sponsor uh, yet. Uh, Whip Snakes come into this game two and a half goal favorites minus two and a half. Uh, the over under is at 23 even and uh chaos money line at plus 205 whip snakes money line at minus 265 I think this game goes over in a heartbeat I think there's gonna be goals to be had in this game um, and I would take chaos plus two and a half I think it's gonna be a one goal game
2: uh, it definitely is gonna be a one goal game that's how they've played this entire series. Like, even in their bad games, Chaos really didn't look completely out of them. I mean, they look bad, but they didn't look out of their games. And then they just exploded these past two games. It's going to be a close one. And I think the Chaos do it. I mean,
1: I... It's so tough. Like, there are so many things that Chaos do well and so many things that Whipsnakes do well. That this is going to be just a pound for pound like slugfest, and oh, sure. whoever wins is going to have earned it in a big way. Um, but that's what the game is played for, and we'll get to watch that go down Sunday, twelve thirty p.m. NBC, Whip Snakes, um, Chaos for the Crown. I, I just can't believe that lacrosse is about to be over for 2020 it's sad it's
2: really sad don't get me wrong but it also feels hopeful you know it feels hopeful for the future of this game because the mll killed their tournament the pll has absolutely destroyed any expectations that we all had going into this and then the nll we got the online draft coming up Hopefully they figure out a bubble or something Free like that. Free agency has been bonkers. Free agency has been absolutely wild. It's really looking like positive trend, like a positive trend for lacrosse. It, it's just fantastic.
0: Which we said
1: it from the beginning, like the whole announcement back in May that there was going to be a bubble. It was going to be played in the Olympic time slot. It's blown all of that out of the water. In my opinion, it
2: really has. Just
1: from top to bottom, the amount of interaction lacks. Twitter has become a thing um, that's like just beyond like arguing and and bullshit. Like it has become a fun place to be. We've gotten so many new listeners just from the championship series alone.
2: Shout out! Shout out to everyone who started listening to us. Shout out to all everyone we've interacted with. I have had no bad interactions on Twitter since the beginning of this
1: like and we'll just, we'll get all sappy in our recap episode because we'll announce right. our jersey giveaway winner which you can still enter that it's our pin tweet on Twitter at otb Pod, free PLL jersey like it's it's too easy to not enter um it's whatever you want it's greg grenley approved it's greg grenley yeah. approved um but i mean like overall this championship series blew my expectations like i had high expectations for this thing It's blown my expectations out of the water and out of this atmosphere. I have been so impressed with everything, top to bottom. Ad free fourth quarters have been electric. And this is just the beginning for this sport, in my opinion. Like Monday night lacrosse, Monday night lacrosse, which we have talked about on this show for years since we started, pretty much. Monday Night Lacrosse was, like, a vision, or Thursday Night Lacrosse was a vision. We literally had Monday Night Lacrosse as, like, a huge show-out. Thursday Night Lacrosse, huge show-out. Friday Night Lights was a huge, th- like...
2: Lax After Dark as a whole.
1: Lax After, after dark. dark. PLL After Dark yes. was incredible and i'm not saying we didn't start the trend of lacrosse after dark that transitioned into PLL after dark but i mean you know you know how we do you know how we do um i can't wait i'm i'm excited and stoked and i'm just bummed that this is the final 48 minutes of PLL action we get of 2020 um so just soak it in enjoy it all and uh let's let's fucking ride Let's fucking let's ride. Do it. Uh, big shout you. out to to Andy Towers hopping on the show. Uh, always fun to talk to Coach Towers. He is an absolute joy and an absolute blast. Um, best of luck to both teams. We have guys that play for both teams that support us, so we're supporting them big time. Yep. Uh, go show out for the brand, and uh, let's enjoy this championship game. Twelve thirty. lock it in. One more game. Let's One ride. More game. Let's have let's have a Sunday. Um, as always, show brought to you by our friends at Design Tree, DSGNTree.com. Search outside the box. Use the promo code DSGN10. Save yourself $10 off at checkout. And, of course, our friends at Tomahawk TomahawkShades, TomahawkShades.com. Use the promo code USP. Make sure you guys are following us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at LaxPod. Just because the championship series is coming to a close, doesn't mean the content is stopping. We have so much stuff planned for the off season, leading into the NLL draft in September, and just a whole lot of fun. So just be ready, be locked in at OTB Lax Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you are following myself on Twitter at KBIZZL311. I am. Stupidly close for whatever reason to uh, two thousand followers on Twitter. So it'd be pretty cool if we get there. I am uh, sixty-seven followers away from two thousand. So throwing it out there, it'd be pretty sick to hit two thousand followers on Twitter because two thousand people following me for what I have to say is pretty fucking stupid. Uh, follow Dom on Twitter at Lifestyle. Drop the Twitter handle for the people. Harry the K.
2: Uh, at Harry GK83, drop me a follow. Good content. He literally hey, tweet.
1: Stop. I think if one person tweets more than I do, it's it's Harrison. Like Harrison is on. Uh, I'm Twitter. addicted. He is online. Like follow him. He is he stays tweeting. I think he tweets in his sleep. Um,
2: oh, eyes closed, just going at it.
1: But make sure you follow us all on Twitter for all that good content. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Five-star rating and review check real quick uh, as we head into the home stretch of our jersey giveaway. Because that is part of the criteria for the jersey giveaways to... Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review, or follow us on Spotify, or you can check us out on Google Play, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, radio.com, wherever we you get your podcast, we are there. Uh, but the five-star rating and review check right now, we are sitting at 109 overall five-star ratings and reviews, 58 five-star reviews. Once we get to 100 five-star reviews, Dom reads them all on a separate podcast, so make sure you... uh. Get us there because I'm sure you want to hear Dom read 100 five-star reviews from all of you crazy hooligans out there. But shout-out to everybody that has checked out the pod from our jersey giveaway from finding us on Twitter. Uh, it's been an absolute blast to be able to to share our love of this game with a bunch of new people, a bunch of our OG listeners as well. You guys are the absolute best. And uh, like I said, let's have a Sunday. Let's enjoy this, this final ride of 2020 with the PLL and uh, go out with a bang.
2: One more. One
1: One more. more. Uh, This has been episode number 140 of the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Harry the K, for Dom, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace.